Caleb, uh, listen, we've got this guest coming up uh, on this show. Um, he's like a punter or somebody uh, from uh, Texas. I, I, have you ever heard of him like Kyle Prince or Kyle King or something like that? Name ring a bell? Yeah, I think I think I might have played him once or twice in high school. He was a he he was a really good punter. That's about all I remember. But uh, it seems like a pretty good guy, from what I can tell. So wait a minute. Uh, what he was from Milano, I think. Where were you from? Uh, yes, sir. He was from Milano, and I was from Burton, Texas. And and who won these big matchups between Burton and Milano? Uh, it kind of went back and forth, you know, my freshman, sophomore year, but uh, they had a great team junior year, um, still beat them, and then uh, once he graduated, was able to beat them as well um, my senior year. JB, what do you, what do you think, guys? Uh, should we bring on this Kyle King guy <laughs> at some point uh, then on the show? I mean... Yeah, I mean, maybe if he, he cleans his act up, and I, I, I saw some picture of some kind of mustache thing going on, but hopefully he got rid of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think Caleb's got better facial hair game than Kyle King does at this point. But, I mean, he's got a little uh, bit there, a little scruff. I was going to say, I have seen Kyle's uh, mustache. It's very exquisite. I know I could not grow that. So props to you, Kyle. That that thing is nasty. That thing is gnarly. <laughs> Looks great, man. Do, do you think it made him less aerodynamic in the uh, game last year, his facial hair game? Uh, because you guys almost uh, cleaned his clock in that uh, game, uh, the playoff game. We'll talk more about it in the show. But, I mean, it, what, what was given there? Do you think he saw Caleb Harmel, the guy that he saw from Burton High School, and he got nervous back there? Do you think that's what was going on? Because I, I until we heard about this matchup, I didn't know what went wrong in that game for him. This has got to be it. It had to be you, Caleb. I don't know, man. It might have been him seeing me staring at him from across the line of scrimmage, whatever it may be. But I think it might have been the D-line boys yelling at him, talking some trash, and then just knowing that we had a pretty stellar defense that was going to give him some troubles. And, you know, I think he still played a great job, did a great game, ended up getting the dub. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So props to him for that one. Well, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to him. And uh, we'll talk a lot of uh, Region 3 football coming up here. On season 15, we lost GB. He's he's all excited already. He's still ready to call Kyle King. We lost GB, but we're still in the huddle. Anyways, folks, we're in Region 3 here, and we've got a little bit more room to have a little more banter here because we only have a couple of interviews uh, for this show. But, uh, only four conferences, yeah, too. That's part of the problem uh, there. But a lot of things to talk about, some shifting going on there as well mm. inside Region 4. Uh, but, you know, long story short, as a region in general, South football, we started to spot some of the other conferences a little bit more during spring football in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And not all the teams that we had on our spotlight list 
did well in the fall. A lot of them fell off. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah, they had better spring seasons, ironically, yeah. But do you think there's going to be any carryover maybe with the experience level, maybe that having spring and fall under their belts compared to some other teams across the country that didn't? Do you think that will help these teams with, uh, let's absolutely. say, the freshmen and sophomores they had during that time? 100%. And we talked about that. You know, We've been around the block for a while, and so very long, long time ago, um, and I think our friend Lenny Reich, who I think recently retired as a SID at, at Mount Union, he's moved on to some, some different stuff. But those 15-game seasons that Mount Union got to play in for most of the 2000s, extra game experience, five more days of practice, all of that matters, and it's an aggregate effect. So I absolutely do think that these um, you know, mid-Atlantic, southeastern teams are going to benefit from that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And again, we go back to our Region 2 uh, show where we talked about this and our Region 1 show about the returning uh, fifth years and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Experience means so much. It gives you depth. It gives you leadership that you can't really teach otherwise. Yeah. These are kind of the intangibles when it comes to college football, especially in Division 3. Uh, we talked a little bit more about just what it all means, too, with our Kyle King interview coming up in a little bit. However, Let's get to the uh, nuts and bolts here of Region 3. We'll start with the USA South with a new entrant named Bellhaven this season. Yeah. What does that do to the landscape besides making us both pick them to win as the new kid on the block? I have Brevard as the team to watch. You have Southern Virginia, but first, Bellhaven. Yeah, I mean, they were, uh, I think, a 7-3 third-place team in the, in the American Southwest Conference, which is always you know one of the toughest in the, in the country with Martin-Simmons and Mary Harden-Baylor. And and um, the Blazers hung in there in those games, and they have a lot of talent. Probably, and honestly, one of my favorite game day broadcasts, tech-wise. Like, I mean, it's it's like ESPN quality what they what they produce down there. Remember that clip we had of yeah. that uh, little uh, full uh, touchdown? Yeah, uh, the one at the end. Yeah, that was yep. that was great. And so, yeah, you know, no disrespect to the Huntington, the defending champs, and. They have a, a big statement game early on in the season against Linfield coming up. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a pretty loaded team from, uh, you know, the south, Southwest. So we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's somebody or a team that I think when they get injected on in their first year have that real mm -hmm. advantage. But the problem for them is they aren't used to the teams. They don't play the same teams every year. Yeah. That, uh, you know, the familiarity for the other teams may allow them to still be the teams to beat and Bellhaven comes in a little bit off kilter but I think they have enough let's say experience leadership depth mm. to win the, this conference that will be possibly on an off kilter year generally with who's got what coming back etc yeah. etc so I, I have no problem with our Bellhaven pick Brevard, it just seems like that team that's still up and coming yeah coach uh, kayak and company are really I think doing the right things there still. Uh, Southern Virginia, which is another team that's been shifting conferences and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. Why them? Um, just because they're somebody new. I mean, they were in the ODAC for <laughs> <Okay>. a while. <laughs> they were in the ODAC for a while. And, You're you know, a new team. You're going to be picked on JV's list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? Uh, and, and just some of the stuff I've seen on social media, they there's just a different edge about the Knights of the season. And I think that, 
you know, although they haven't really had as much success in the win-loss column, I think they're going to catch a few teams in this new conference by surprise, and, and so we'll have to wait and see if that pans out. USA South uh, used to be kind of a two-team uh, type of uh, battle going on mm -hmm. with Huntington and Brevard, but it's opening itself up to a lot yeah. more action right yeah. now. I'm waiting to wear my Bavard jersey on. Yeah, I don't know if I can fit in it. It's pretty tight, but yours might bought the helmet. But thanks, for, we appreciate that. Yeah, that we do. Awesome. The ODAC, and here's what I've written uh, for our uh, little teaser stinger here for uh, the ODAC. 2021 race raises more questions than the answers we we received. It really was a weird year when you look at the fact that Washington and Lee. And then Emory and Henry and the way they were handling their games and Randolph-Macon and Hampton Sydney, Nothing seemed to be exactly what it appeared to be in that conference. Yeah. Presley Egbers and company Randolph-Macon, we thought we'd just roll over the conference. It didn't happen that way. No. And so what, what happens here this year? Well, according to us, we both picked Randolph-Macon again. Mm. And I picked hampton Sydney as the team to watch. And so did you. Yeah. So, yeah. so wait a minute. After all this mishmash of stuff we saw in the fall and even the spring to a certain degree, why are we landing on the two perennials again here? Well, I think it kind of goes back to you know the spring and fall football combination. I feel like some of those teams um, had some kinks that they needed some time to work out. Um, you know, Hamden Sydney especially had some pretty rough rough games, but they're traditionally always been at the top of the ODAC competing. Um, so I just, it just feels like last year was more of the exception, um, but we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, uh, Washington Lee you know, basically won the, the conference on a, on a tiebreaker situation, but they barely, I mean, I think they 25-24 was the final. Um, the, 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 you know, so that could have gone either way, but should be some more Odakian fun this fall. Odakian fun, the Odaction. Odaction, that's right. Yep. So, uh, Some great Odaction. I don't have much to add to that. It's another wide open year that mm -hmm. we'll see if the perennials do show up as we're predicting. That's uh, mm -hmm. where we're going with that. In the SAA, uh, interesting season last year. That yeah. Trinity versus Birmingham Southern uh, kind of finale uh, race at the end yeah. was uh, something that we didn't necessarily expect after what the spring football looked like in mm -hmm. that conference. We had the Hendrixes and the Berries of the world kind of. Well, yeah, uh, Barry had won like five championships in a row. Yep. And so we thought that that was going to be it. And then we end up seeing two teams that we would not have picked as the first ones, really. Trinity, maybe a little bit, but not necessarily as complete champs. Well, you know what happened. Trinity did uh, get to the uh, playoffs ultimately. And uh, Birmingham Southern with Shuford uh, did yeah. as well. And so. Quitted themselves as well, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so it comes down to a question of now who's who and what's what. Uh, it seems like Trinity has a certain edge in the poll based yeah, on... Number nine, right? Realistically, one game I think is doing this more than anything else, and that was that UMHB playoff game. Yeah. We're going to hold off on discussion about that. You'll see why in a second. But we had a conversation with Caleb Hamill, uh, who is a linebacker from Trinity, and to get his perspective on the unfinished business and second chance potential, again, that's our theme here in our interviews mm -hmm. this preseason. Uh, because, look, they want another chance, I think, at a team like UMHB. Not sure how much UMHB wants to see that happen. Yeah. But, uh, it's a tough one. you know, this is something that's pretty compelling, I think, in a storyline down in the South. And here is Caleb. 
Caleb, our theme for our preseason shows is basically unfinished business and second chances. And for as much as 2021 was really a success for the Tigers, uh, the end of season scenario for you guys it was a game I think you feel like you could have won probably that would have been really front page news for a lot of people out there. But it does define you and your team as a top 10 team coming into this year. Does your team feel like there's unfinished business coming into 2022? Take us through that Mary Harden-Baylor game and to where you are now. Um, yeah, so obviously um, didn't end how we would like, didn't end up um, winning that game. Um, but I think more this year, we're just focused on the task at hand. We realized, you know, we had a pretty successful year last year, but obviously didn't win a national championship like we wanted to. Um, but we also realized this is a completely different team. Um, we didn't lose a lot of seniors, um, have a few coming back for a fifth year as well, but it's a completely different team. You know, we had to replace a few guys on the D-line, obviously had to replace a DB, um, a few on the offense as well. So we're more focused on this upcoming year. We realized, okay, um, we did that last year. We had some success. Now let's go out. Let's capitalize on it. Let's take the people we have today. Um, let's work, work during fall camp, work really hard. Um, and let's go out this year, take a game by game. We're pro we got a scrimmage this Thursday, focusing on that right now. Um, and let's just attack this year, game by game, day by day, play by play. Well, Caleb, first off, congratulations on being named the first team preseason All-American by D3Football.com. You obviously had a great game, uh, I think a career-high 16 tackles in the in the playoff game against Mary Harden Baylor. What did that um, you know playoff experience mean to your team, um, especially after – you know, getting close to winning the SAA title in the spring, you guys did it in the in the fall. But what was the playoff experience for you guys like? I think it was, you know, really helpful, really beneficial, because um, obviously that's our plan for this upcoming year is to, and everybody's playing at that, is to make a good run in the playoffs. So I think that just experience that we had, like I said, we didn't lose too many people. So eight returners on defense, I think, nine on offense um, have that experience of playing in a playoff game against the national champions. So um, we know kind of what it's going to look like, what it's going to take to win those type of games. And just that experience all together, I feel, um, is making us a more mature team that can make that type of playoff run. What's interesting to me, uh, Caleb, though, is when we look at uh, you know pre-COVID to during COVID to kind of post-COVID, uh, the progression of your conference. And it seemed like in that COVID spring uh, that everybody did uh, get a chance to play, or most everybody got a chance to play in your conference, uh, teams like the Berries and the Hendrixes were there. And, you know, Trinity was okay, but obviously it wasn't, you know, the, a stellar, stellar performance there. A lot of people started writing your team off. And then somewhere around mid-season, a lot of people started waking up to you and Birmingham Southern uh, in the fall. And it was like, well, where do they come from suddenly? You had 50-plus tackles in the pre-COVID season, uh, 70 last year. So clearly, Trinity's been kind of getting ready, geared up for this. What is with the SAA, though? And is Trinity looking to become the leader here out in front this year and for a long time to come? Have you guys begun to pave the way for the leadership in the SAA? Yes, sir. I mean, obviously, that's the plan. We want to, like I said, take it game by game. And if you do that correctly, you're going to end up winning those games and win the conference. And it's just a huge props to the 
players that have came before me, I remember my freshman year, how much the seniors bought in, how much they loved this program, how much they loved and poured into us as freshmen. And now us going into our senior year, um, last year being junior year, having a great year, uh, we just really bought into, you know, taking it game by game. Um, so we took COVID very seriously. Like you said, we didn't necessarily have the best um, spring season, but, you know, that spring season kind of left a dirty taste in our mouth. We felt like we could be better, felt like we could do more. Um, so we really bought in. Everybody worked really hard um, and it, you know, showed this past season. And, you know, we're just going to continue to take it game by game and just do our job, do our one of a, 111 every play and hopefully win some ball games. Well, for anybody out there who doesn't know, uh, Trinity is in the city of San Antonio, Texas, and you guys have a, 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 your first game against another Texas team in, in Sol Ross. But I think most D3 football fans have circled week two when you guys take on Wheaton, which is like a clash of um, between two very strong programs that have uh, you know have really risen to the top of, of D3, you know, is – you talk about taking it week by week, but it's got to be hard to, to see, you know, the thunder on your schedule and not be a little extra excited for that one. Yes, sir. I mean, we're obviously excited. It's it's going to be great. I love, you know, being able to play great teams. I loved playing Maryland and Baylor in the playoffs last season. Um, probably one of my favorite games just to see how talented um, D3 football can be and how, you know, real, how fast, how aggressive, how physical it can be. So we're obviously really excited to be able to play Wheaton. Um, this is one of the first times we've been able to play, um, you know, a top 10 team in the regular season since I've been here. So we're really excited, but, you know, we got scrimmage first, then we got Sol Ross. So we're going to focus on those, try and iron some things out and hopefully um, be able to hit it running by the time week two comes and we're playing Wheaton. And I know you're saying take it game by game, but a question we often ask players, and I'd like to ask you based on kind of the uh, progression here, is what will you deem this, or what what will deem this season a success in your mind or your view ultimately? Uh, what benchmark are you looking at as a senior leader of this team that will you'll look back and say, yep, that was a 2022 success story, or maybe it wasn't, depending on if you don't reach that benchmark. Beyond just going game by game, what do you think this team is capable of and that you expect it to do in this season? Yes, sir. I think that's the main thing. I want each and every person on this team to achieve what they're capable, capable of. Um, this fall camp has been really great for a lot of guys. Obviously, um, speaking more on the defensive side, we've had a lot of defensive linemen who have showed up, um, people who got playing time last year um, with the twos or, you know, stepping up in those one positions to fill the spots that left out. And then the threes and fours are stepping up being those new twos. So we have a lot of guys that can play some really great football. And I think at the end of the day, I just want for my teammates there for them to be able to achieve their highest capability. Um, and I think with that being said and that being achieved, um, we're going to have a great cohesiveness, a great team and be able to you know, like I said, win, hopefully win the um, conference championship and then be able to make a really good playoff run. Hey, Caleb, you're from a, a town called Burton, uh, Texas. Or, so is, is Trinity close to home for you? And, and you know, when, when football is all said and done, um, what do you think you'll be doing? Yes, sir. Uh, it's not too far away. It's kind of college station area. So it's about a two hour drive back home. Um, after college, 
not 100% sure yet. I'm double majoring in finance and accounting. And this past summer, I actually got an internship with the San Antonio Spurs doing some financial analyst stuff with them. Um, so I cool. would love to see that career kind of take off. Yes, I would love to, you know, work in the sports industry and maybe work my way to the Dallas Cowboys, big Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, but, you know, not 100%. Got, still got a year, at least year and a half. Um, so going to just kind of finish up my degree, see what job offers there are and kind of go from there. Jerry Jones, sign Caleb Harmel up right now. Come on. <laughs> Double major, plays football at a caliber that is really, you know, Caleb, not many guys who are get, getting out what really is their junior year, uh, you know, COVID aside and all that, can put up this idea that they had over 50 tackles in two seasons to that point in their career. You have a chance to make it three uh, if you can do it again this year. I mean, you are playing at a caliber uh, on defense that a lot of people in this country would love to be able to do. Uh, you know, first off, getting the playing time to be able to do it, and that means you're getting a lot of trust from your coaches here. And second, staying injury-free and successful on that field. So, I mean, what what is it ultimately? Did the coaching staff look at you from day one and trust you, or did you have to build that trust? What got you to this point personally? I mean, obviously, I had to build the trust. Um, I think that started freshman year, just really bought into playing special teams. It's on special teams, I want to say the first five, six games of freshman year. Um, so just really bought into that, hustled hard, you know, kickoff, running down every single kickoff, blocking um, as best I could on kickoff return, on PBR, um, punt, whatever it may be. So I think just really buying in gave me some playing time and then just being able to achieve this level um, it's just a huge credit to my teammates. You know, last year watching film, you see our defensive line is pushing the O-line into the backfield three yards every single play. I have the DBs behind me. I know that they're going to take care of their job. Um, so it really just allows me to play a little bit freer. I have my linebackers next to me, um, you know, making sure that he has his gap. So just all of us buying in has really helped us all be able to play freely, play loose. Coach Mahalik, the defensive coordinator, has done a great job of installing an amazing game plan. Um, where I can kind of move around, everybody can kind of move around, cause offense some problems, and just really be a successful defense as we were last season. Um, great team defense last season, being the number two team in the nation. And just with the guys we have this season, I'm really excited to see you know, how we can continue to improve and get better and hopefully be better than we were last season. Kale, I was going to send it into one last sort of thing here, but... I was just reminded that um, on the Trinity University football website, there's a, a picture of some of the other guys on your team that were nominated or named, you know, in preseason All-American, various other multiple, you know, teams that they were named to. But there was this one guy on the very far right-hand side of the photograph who's wearing shades. Now, is he like kind of the class clown? Is he like the team goofball? Um, what's this guy's story? And, and you know, who gave him the shades for that? Was that Ju was that Justin's idea? <laughs> I I got no no clue whose idea it was. That's my that's my man Michael Jewett though. Um, he's a year older than me. He's come back for his fifth year, but one of the greatest guys I know. He kind of you know had to buy into the system as well. One of those guys who just worked hard and you know switched positions a few times. He played linebacker beside me. I want to say sophomore year, and then due to some injuries, position changes. Now he kind of plays a and uh, defensive end kind of off linebackers. So 
he's definitely a goofball, definitely a great guy to have around. And uh, I'm excited for him, happy for him, and just want nothing but success for him. Excited for him this year. Hope he has a great year. Well, you might want to include him in your shout-outs that are coming up next here because we give all our player guests <laughs> the opportunity for shout-outs to any family, friends, teammates, etc. that might be watching. Caleb Harmel, shout-outs, go ahead. Let's see. Well, first off, I just want to thank my mom and dad, um, greatest parents alive, and as well as the rest of my family. Um, never have not felt supported by anybody um, in my family. So love y'all, appreciate y'all, and would not be here without y'all. Also want to shout out my teammates. You guys are awesome. Would not be here where I am today without y'all as well. I'm so thankful for y'all, the relationships we've built, the family that we've made, the memories we've made. It's I wouldn't trade it for the world. So love you guys. Can't wait to, you know, play ball this year and hopefully next year continue to make those memories. Um, coaches as well. Thank you all for believing in me, trusting in me, allowing me to play at this amazing university, get this great education, and uh, hopefully be successful after that. And um, that's about it. <laughs> so, you know, one of the traps I think a team like Trinity can fall into is maybe looking too far ahead because of the whole situation with wanting that revenge factor probably in the playoffs coming up, you know, especially after what happened in that first round game. but. You know, you, you can't look too far ahead. You've got this great conference schedule coming up yeah. and some non-conference games as well, obviously. But, I, you know, if they were good in 2021, JB, why wouldn't they be sensational with what they have coming back in 2022? And the poll kind of suggests that. But, mm -hmm. I mean, what, what's your thought with this team? Yeah, I mean, they, they really have to be careful to not overlook, um, you know, their regular season opponents. I mean... In the spring, we obviously saw that fantastic title game between Barry and Hendricks that came down to a single point. There were actually multiple one-point games oh, yeah. in the SAA last spring. There were fantastic uh, football games. Center has a very explosive offense. You know, Barry had been a five-time champ until last. You know, it was interesting because the teams in the spring game kind of had down years by their standards. Hendricks didn't break 500. Barry won, I think, only six games. And, um, you know. Ironically... We both picked Trinity to win. Yeah. Neither of us have Birmingham Southern, though, as team to watch. I have Barry, and you have Hendricks. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, you know, I have a feeling that, you know, that Hendricks will improve upon last year, uh, last fall's um, season. But, you know, time will tell. This is another conference that's pretty stacked. I mean, Trinity, like you said, they're, they're kind of having the swagger of the team that went head-to-head -head with Mary Harden-Baylor, probably the best out of anyone not named Harden-Simmons. So time will tell if they can repeat, uh, if it's a new era in the SAA where everything runs through Trinity, or if last year was kind of a blip. Well, there is a camp out there, and I may be part of that camp that believes, based on where I'm ranking Trinity compared to the rest of the uh, poll, that Trinity, as much as they had a great performance in that game versus Mary Harden-Baylor, sort of was the recipient of a dud of a game by Mary Harden-Baylor. And the reason I feel like I can say that is twofold. One, we watched the game, a lot of it, yep. during our Blitzer coverage. Yeah. And we saw a Mary Harden Baylor team that was not moving the football a lot of times by their own accord. Mm -mm. Uh, the defense obviously has something to do with that from Trinity. Don't get me wrong, folks, but yeah. something just seemed very off in that game. We've seen that before. We saw that in the first half of the Harden-Simmons game against Mary Harden Baylor and what happened there for the crew. So... 
they are prone to laying eggs at times for certain periods of a game. Yeah. So, you know, the question becomes, ultimately, is it Trinity being a superstar team that game and deserving of all the accolades, or is it Mary Harden Baylor sort of doing an egg lay uh, scenario? And we have in our ASC discussion right now, the aforementioned Kyle King quarterback mm-hmm coming up here to sort of even address that game. We kind of tripped into an answer about it without uh, really intending to. So here's our conversation. Again, maybe unfinished business for Kyle King. I think uh, we kind of get the sense of what that is after this interview with him. Hey, Kyle, welcome back to In the Huddle. Um, I wanted to get your reaction to a tweet that I saw that had to do with you being named the D3Football.com first team All-American quarterback, and then some guy was like, hey, that's pretty good from a for a punter from Milano. Did you see that one? Yeah, sorry, that was our uh, head basketball coach here at UMHB, Cliff Carroll. Uh, <laughs> no, you just can't get any respect over there. I, I mean, they, they're always going to uh, punch at you, buddy. I, I don't know what's going on, but, uh, you know. I'll take it. I'll take it. This is a, a show based on or a preseason shows on second chances and unfinished business. Now, some people might find it strange that we have the returning national champion quarterback on, but you know your story goes deeper than this, and some people feel like Kyle King may still have something to prove here in 2022. It's been about eight years since any team has repeated as national champion, which is getting close to the longest stretch without a repeat champion. Uh, about a decade is what that record is right now. So, Kyle, let's start with 2021. Uh, you come in, nobody respected you. You, you gave us enough of the uh, jazz about uh, the lack of respect and uh, deserved, okay, the fact that uh, we were wrong about you early on. And then, you know, some highs and lows, uh, even in the playoffs, that Trinity game still confounds a lot of people. But you come through and you blast through in the national championship game. Are you still kind of on this pedestal? Uh, what 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 is the mood now? Take us through twenty twenty one and the off season, uh, the Manning camp, and everything else. Kind of bring us to where we are right now with the new season starting zero and zero. As far as Trinity goes, I still catch grief about that pretty much weekly from my teammates. So still still get the blues about that. But um, you know, like you said, the last I believe I, I played bad in the Trinity game and didn't play the next game. And then the last three games threw for like 1,200 yards or something like that. So had finished out real strong. Um, we got hot at the right time. So as far as the 2021 season, that was a that was a cool thing, a magical run there at the end. Um, we were happy to finish it off. And, you know, we've kind of had to let go of that. Um, as far as into the summer went with the Manning camp, that was a pretty cool deal um, with a lot of good quarterbacks there, um, getting to meet Peyton and Eli and sit down and talk to them. And really not, not only about football, but they we had dinner one night. And it was me, Peyton, and uh, Clayton Toon from Houston. And we had two seats left, so Peyton and Eli came and sat because they had got to dinner a little late. But we talked for like an hour and 15 minutes about nothing but but not even football was mentioned. It was just life. Like, they just wanted to know our stories, where we're from. And, you know, they were interested. They asked us questions. We we asked them questions. And like I said, just it wasn't even about the football. It was just about the connections and getting to see those guys as a real-life guy instead of like a superhuman was was pretty cool to see them, how down-to-earth they were. Um, as far as that, you know, got back from that this summer. Now we're in fall camp here. And, you know, like I said, we had to let go of last year and new team, new year. So obviously a lot of questions are unanswered, but 
I will say we're very talented, and our offense it has a potential to be very scary this year. I will say that. I don't know how it could be any scarier than it was <laughs> down the stretch of 2021, but you know, obviously, yeah. Kyle, um, one of the biggest changes uh, going into this season is you know, Coach Fred has, has stepped down. Um, after you know, building this program into a, a national champion, multiple national champion, um, you know, Coach Harmon's been you know, with the program for a long time, so maybe it's still business as usual. But how has it been for you as a player, especially someone who, who you know was very close to Coach Fred and you know, a lot of the guys in your, in your senior class were obviously. How's the new How's the new regime feel for you? Yeah, so we obviously we loved Coach Fred. Um, we're sad to see him go, obviously, but but not Coach Harmon. He's he's a breath a breath of fresh air. Um, he still has he's he's a first of all, Coach Harmon is a great leader of men. So he's somebody that you want to go play for. That you put, I mean, you give everything you got for Coach Harmon because you love that guy and you don't want to see him disappointed. Fred kind of had that as well. So he, Harmon has that same type of deal there, which is you almost have to have to be a great uh, head coach. Um, as far as how things are ran, pretty much identical. Armin might even be a little more stiff on stiff, a little more of a stiffer on the rules, even, which is good. You know, um, if you're going to repeat, you got to do the little things right. And he, where he's a firm believer in that, and we are too. And as far as the transition has went, it's been very smooth, and we we have all the belief in the world in Harmon. And there's not a, you know, there's not a guy on that team that doesn't believe in our head coach. Well, let's look at the schedule. Uh, you guys are. Pulling no punches with how that schedule is working. Uh, Muhlenberg right off the bat. Uh, Whitewater right uh, after that. I mean, uh, did you, you know, look at your athletic director and say, what the heck are you doing to me? Or <laughs> what, what did you say in this one? In all seriousness, I mean, what is the philosophy here? I know it's tough for teams like Mount Union and Whitewater and UMHB to get games in their non-conference slots, no doubt. But at the same time, uh, this is something that we haven't really seen too much of. Yes, Mary uh, Harden Baylor has played Linfield in the past in the uh, off out of conference games, but I mean, still, this this is a pretty big one-two punch. How are you feeling about it? How's the team feeling about it? Yeah, well, the funny thing is, next weekend we actually scrimmage Monterey Tech, is a team from Mexico, and they are unbelievable as well. I mean, they might be one of the most talented teams we play all year. So we scrimmage them. And then we go into Mullenberg and then, like you said, Whitewater. Um, I think it's cool because you see the D1 guys do it. You know, you see Alabama play the Florida State sometimes in the first game. And and last year, I believe, I don't know if it was the very first game, but I think Oregon and Ohio State played. It was real early in the year. But I think it's great for D- Division three football. Um, hats off to Whitewater as well. I mean, I think they got St. John's week one, then us week two. I'm a little jealous because I, I see all the pictures um, of – St. John's atmosphere and us as a, well, I don't know us, I me and my friends, at least my, my group, we were wanting to go to St. John's and play week one. We had told Fred that and he had, I mean, I think he tried to reach out. I don't, we just, and it wasn't that they said no, it was just, you know, the scheduling was already, it was just hard to get work, but we were, but we're, and that's before we knew Mullenberg was even on the table. So we thought, you know, we didn't know who we were going to play at that point. And then when it came out, we're playing Mullenberg, which is top 10 in the nation. We were ecstatic, you know, they're, they're a great team. Um, we're looking forward to the challenge. We know it's not going to be easy, but I don't know. It's going to let us know where our team is right away. And obviously, we're not going to hang our heads on those two games because from the team you are week two to the team you are week 15 should be two completely different teams. But it's a good start. And if we can get off on the right foot with that schedule, we could we could be a um, we could be a bear in the playoffs. Okay, two things I got to say to you and follow up here. First, 
because uh, JB is close personal friends with Coach Milne, we have to tell you it's Muhlenberg, like the mule. Uh, so Muhlenberg mule. So just get that right out of the whole respect uh, camp. Number two, I don't know if you have been to the Harden-Simmons, Mary Harden-Baylor game at any point in your career, but in terms of atmospheres, are you kidding me, man? That was an incredible atmosphere. Uh, And that's the thing. I want to ask you to follow up here. The fan base from last year especially, what has that been like in terms of the carry-through here? Do you see it repeating here uh, as you guys try to repeat yourselves in terms of that support? Oh yeah, as far as um, support comes for for the Crusaders, there's no limit to it. I mean, them fans are there every single year. It don't matter if we went zero and ten. Well, it might matter. There'd be some some jobs on the line. But I'm saying, as far as them showing up and giving us support and showing us love, oh, there's nothing. There's nothing like UHB fans at the Division three level. Um, we have an alumni association, which is pretty rare. You know, I mean, I think over forty to fifty ex players flew out to. Canton last year and watched us play a national championship. And that's just the alumni association. So that's a, that was a cool deal for us. Um, yeah. As far as the atmosphere though goes, you're talking about Harden Simmons, we go there this year. So I expect that to be a fun one too. That's the fourth game of the year. It's a six o'clock kickoff, I believe. So man, we're chomping at the bid for that one. We've been, that's actually one we have circled, you know, just cause it's Harden Simmons. I mean, that's, that's what we look forward to. Yeah. It's kind of like the Texas Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's like the red river, red river rivalry. rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. Even though Oklahoma's not, you know, in Texas, but it's still – that's the kind of game you look forward to. It doesn't really matter what kind of season you have. When it comes to that game, you're going to give both teams the best shot. Yep. Kyle, a little, uh, little bird has told me that you might be getting some you know, attention from places like the CFL. There's obviously going to be a new pro football league um, next spring in the XFL. Um, you know, I, I imagine you're focused on, on this fall, uh, but – when we spoke to you last year, we were talking about doing coaching as a as a future yeah. career. Would you maybe put that on hold should some kind of professional opportunity present itself, or is it a little too early to think about that? Um, yes, obviously. If I get the opportunity, I'm going to go play football at, a, at the next level. And I've actually, since we talked last, I've passed my, you know, it's called a PPR, which is a test in Texas. You have to pass to become a certified teacher. And, you know, I pretty much have a job lined up. It's not in stone yet, but. You know, it is what it is. But if I had – I mean, I've told them if the opportunity presents itself, I would like to go, you know, play football because that's what I want to do. That's what I love. Um, but as far as thinking about the XFL and thinking about Canada, it, it's none of that right now. I'm just – I've been back with my teammates for two weeks now, and it's just such a relief to have the guys back around. And that's kind of what, what my mindset's been is just enjoy this last year because these are guys that, you know, after – I guess in 15, 16 more weeks, I might not ever see some of them again, you know, and never as a whole group again. That's very rare. A whole team gets together again. So I'm, I'm going to enjoy these last 16 weeks and, you know, just worry about winning another national championship and making some memories with my boys. Let me ask you, though, Kyle, you didn't have to do this. You didn't have to come back uh, this year technically. Uh, I mean, because of all the COVID stuff, all these class years get jumbled up and whatnot, but you didn't have to do this. And you come off a national championship, and Coach Fred says, you know what, I've, I've had enough. I'm going to be, uh, you know, go off into the sunset. What does Kyle King have to prove right now that made him come back this season, in his own words? I don't even know that it's something to prove as much as I just love playing football. Now, obviously, there's I'd like to be the only quarterback in UMHB, champ, in UMHB history to win back-to-back. I mean, not only that, we as a team, that's our goal, I mean. 
we have all we have all Americans on our team, you know. So at, at when you reach that level, at what point is there something else to do? At that point, it becomes more of the team thing. Let's be the first guys to repeat. Um, so that's as soon as we won the Natty last year, there was never a thought of really anybody leaving um, that that's back and eligible. There, I know for me personally, I, there was never a thought like, you know what, I might not play next year. No, nah, it was I, if we won or lost that game, didn't matter. I was playing football next year. Um, I love this university. I love Coach Harmon. At that time, I didn't know Coach Fred's retiring, but even if I did, it wouldn't have changed anything. Um, I love Coach Lee and and the staff that ha- that has left and went to different schools, but that's okay. We got great guys back in here, and I'm telling y'all, I'm, our offense is going to be it's going to be scary. I'm telling y'all. Well, one of the things that, that Frank and I were actually talking sort of off the air before was, you know, kind of the conspicuous absence of um, one of your top receivers from last season on the preseason All-American team. You know, he might have just decided to move on and, and to, you know, do his own thing. But, you know, is, what's, the, what's the status with Brandon? Or you, I know you got, you got KJ back, and he's, he's obviously an outstanding, um, you know, playmaker in his own right. But, you know, can you really re- replace a guy like, like Brandon? I mean, that, he, he had one of the best years of a wide receiver at any level that I can remember last season. Well, the good news is we don't have to replace him. He is back. So we got uh, we got Brandon back. We got KJ back. We got all five offensive linemen back. We got all the running backs back. We lost one receiver is what we lost. So we have ten back on – our nine back on offense. Uh, lost our tight end. Um, got another one, replaced him, and, you know, he's, he's a stud too. So – our offense is, is really good right now. Um, we look sharp. You know, we're kind of learning a new offense, so there's still obviously a lot of improving to do. But, yeah, right now we're we're going to be tough. Do the All-American folks, uh, the people that make these preseason lists, even know that? Because he was absent from yeah. a couple lists that we would look for his name on. And so I wonder yeah, if they even and know. Yeah, it was kind of um, – uh, KJ, you know, he got returner. Uh, returner All-American, which yeah. is which is good, but I truly believe he's one of the best receivers as well. Um, I don't know, I don't think people really realize how good he is. Yeah, you know, because on a piece of paper, he doesn't just look like a stud. But and Frank's seen him play, I don't twice or three times last year, and he can tell you. I mean, he's just he's different, and and him and Brandon are different, and it's not just him and Brandon. You know, we got at receiver right now. I'd say we're eight deep, and it's oh, when I say awesome. deep, I mean it's it's pretty deep, like it, it's real deal. So. Well, they make each yeah. other better, though, Kyle. Realistically, uh, yeah. freeing up somebody because you only have one best defensive back to cover somebody. So when you have to cover it twice, I mean, it, it does make it a challenge. And I think that's what I saw yeah. in those games that I did attend that you pointed out here, that you, even the best defenses out there can't cover all the great receivers uh, as long as you're getting the ball to them, which is always you know the, a part of the equation, too. But... It is amazing to watch that whole thing develop, and people always ask me, you know, what, what's limiting our team from being a UMHB or Mount Union, et cetera? And the answer is that depth in that position, to me, is one of the biggest separators out there. Everybody can have a good quarterback, but to have a good quarterback and multiple good receivers, good luck out yeah. there in Division Three. And you guys have that equation. So do others, though, in this country, and we'll see what happens I'm going to give you the opportunity, as always, sir, to give shout-outs. If Alvy King is not in this list of shout-outs, you're fired as a guest uh, this year on our show. But uh, I think he will be. So, Kyle King, shout-outs to any family, friends, et cetera, that might be watching. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to shout-out my, shout my O-line. You know, you're talking about receivers. We've got the best O-line in the nation, too. I think I got sacked three times last year. So, yeah, them first. But, yeah, as far as family goes, 
was all same old, same old. My dad, obviously, I mean, played a big role and, you know, just uh, in my sports career, just played a huge role in, in every sport, baseball, basketball, football, it doesn't matter. He's, he's worked with us countless hours, me and my brothers. So dad, dad, that's a big one. My dad, uh, little brother, big brother, obviously love them. Got a niece and nephew now. Um, another niece on the way. So just, you know, our family, my mom, my, my mom sends me food like once a week, just loads me down. So she's, she's the real MVP for that. So my aunt, which I, I live with, so she lets me live for free, does, you know, treats me like a son. So I can't, there's just in this journey of mine, there's just so many people and I know I'm leaving some out, but to, to all my family and my immediate family, my, my family, friends, all of them love y'all and just looking forward to have another good year. The whole thing I said leading into our discussion on the ASC here was essentially based on the principle of, hey, Mary Harden Baylor is prone to not play their best in every game or for sections of a game. Yeah. Harden Simmons has a chip on their shoulder right now because of not getting into the playoffs last year. And they really, when you looked at the they final should've. poll yeah. or the final rankings, by they were a top 10 team and the regional uh, rankings showed completely otherwise things flipped on their head ultimately in that last week yeah so i don't know jb i'm gonna say in a rare instance here when you have mary harden baylor playing that front-loaded schedule hosting muhlenberg then at wisconsin whitewater then their conference schedule week four or game four of their schedule being harden simmons yeah they're gonna be beaten up in terms they, of the yeah, physicality be. of those two games to start the season. Especially the Warhawks, man. <laughs> I think Harden-Simmons at home has a real chance to do it finally this year. Yeah, You feel the change of quarterback that is happening there will not lend to it. Okay, take me through your ASC overview now. Well, I mean, you know, the ASC, you know, pretty much starts and ends with with the Crusaders, and you know, the second place runner-up has been the Cowboys for a long time. Um, Bellhaven departing will shake things up a little bit. There, you know, we saw teams like Howard Payne have you know, a couple of you know, bright moments here and there, but ultimately it comes down to these two, you know, national powerhouses, and it really is a shame that that basically one of them will get left out of the playoffs, and you know. I guess it's maybe it's possible. Um, no, I mean, yeah. Even I guess if like if if the Crusaders lost to Harden Simmons, but they were able to beat Muhlenberg and Whitewater at nine and one, that's that's the way for a pool. That's did. one. I mean, it would be insane if they didn't get in. But hey, we've we've seen some pretty funny stuff over these last fifteen seasons. So you never know. I've never seen a defending national champion get the shaft to that degree in a yeah, nine and one. That's really the only. Yeah. So. I guess I suppose that that could be a possibility, but I also agree with you. I think those those two big opening games, you know, there will be some wear and tear. There'll be some, you know, travel from Texas all the way up to Wisconsin and back. It could wear on them. We'll see. I'm really looking forward to see what Trinity is or isn't in the SAA mm-hmm. and what Mary Harn Baylor is able to do after taking on such a challenging schedule compared to what they're normally taking on, to be honest with you, in those first couple of weeks over the last few years, to, to see what it does to them. Because we are always here promoting play a heavy schedule in the yeah. uh, you know out-of-conference section. But in some instances, because of the way the playoff situation works now, it may do more harm than good for certain teams. We're going to get a good measurement of that this year, especially with Wisconsin Whitewater and Mary Harden-Baylor. 
we may have a split decision on it ultimately based on, yeah. you know, somebody's going to have to lose their game. But I'm looking more at what happens to them in their conference schedule and to what degree they're injured after a game like that because mm. those are hard-hitting players with big size and speed. Yeah, it, it is inevitable to have the injuries that come with the game, unfortunately, from a game like that that early. So we'll see how this pans out. Final thoughts on Region 3. You know, I think... Um you know, they're, they're, what I like about Region 3, other than maybe the ASC, it does feel like there there's some possibilities for upsets and some different teams. You know, we saw that last season with Birmingham Southern kind of coming up and becoming a national um, contender. And, and I think we might, you know, we might see that with Bellhaven in the USA South. You know, we'll see. Um, the good thing, though, I think if you're a Simmons or Crusaders fan having more stronger teams in places like Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, it helps you know, create that pod and not necessarily you know, shift teams and flying and all this other stuff. Yeah, you must go to Linfield or something yeah, like that. Or some, something, yeah, or yeah, something crazy. So it does seem like the Southeast is, is building up a little bit. We've always known that Eastern schools have come down here to recruit, but you know, I think a lot of homegrown talent staying and it should be very competitive in all four conferences. We'll see uh, where it goes, but uh, some of the most competition that we're going to be talking about comes from a batch of regions four, five, and six. That is coming up in a few days, that discussion, as well as our week one preview in the same show. So stay tuned for that on August 31st. That's a Wednesday. So stay tuned. As I said, we will see you soon.